Have you been zombified by conspiracies? Oh, I used to be until I started listening to Zombified with our patented <laughs> subliminal anti-conspiracy <laughs> undertones that strengthen your brain. <laughs> I have to say that this this whole episode got a little bit meta at times where I was like, wait a second, like, is like thinking that we're zombified, does that mean that we are like a conspiracy theory podcast? Maybe. Uh. <laughs> 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 but uh, I think well, in the end, we decided no. That Well, oh, did we? Okay. <laughs> I thought we sort of decided that everybody is sort of, this, this, there's some sort of conspiracy theory that encompasses all of us. Goes that through. is true. I mean, like, there certainly are conspiracies out there. The question is just, right, if it's like one entity that is controlling everything or whether it's many entities with different interests, some of which may be conspiring against us. That's true. Or yeah. is it everybody except the listener and we all are in on it and we're just not telling, we're just not telling you at home. Everyone that, else is in on it, but you. Like That's a true. Truman show kind of scenario. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so who, who are we talking to on today's episode of the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> we have a totally amazing guest. So Chelsea Webersmith is the creator and um, host, producer, etc. of the podcast American Hysteria, which looks at like all of these wild things that Americans believe, including but not limited to conspiracy theories. And today we talk with them about all of these different layers about conspiracy and conspiracy theories and how also their experience growing up with a conspiracy theory dad shaped them. Yeah. Oh, which sounded actually way more fun than I was expecting. Um, so the idea of like having you, a conspiracy theory dad. You wish your dad was a little more prepper and a little less professor. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad may be more prepper than. <laughs> um, let's just move on. Uh, All right. So, uh, oh, who are we, by the way? Yeah, well, I am your host, Athena Activist, psychology professor at ASU and chair of the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. And I am your co-host, Dave Lundberg-Henrik, media outreach program manager, at ASU and brain enthusiast, or am and, I? <laughs> apparently, son of a prepper professor, so. <laughs> apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so when, today we're talking about conspiracy theories. And, yeah, uh, where they came from, what the sort of, you know, disgusting underbelly of some of them is, and also, you know, what the, you know, kernels of truth are behind some of these conspiracy theories. So it's, I think, a really interesting episode because, you know, we hear a lot about conspiracy theories, but at least, you know, for me, like, I feel like I don't really know exactly what they're saying or proposing. And uh, it was it was just a way for me to kind of wrap my head around some of these issues with conspiracy theories that I hadn't really been exposed to before. Yeah. So I think it was really fun. Like I mentioned in the episode, I way back in the day would went to some George Bush cause 9-11 rally, 
with my friends. So I've had some conspiracy theory exposure before. Um, I really like conspiracy theories. So uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind Um, of love to hate them. But I think (laughs) I I think like it's a really it's a really interesting window into human nature. You know, why are we vulnerable to them? Um, And, you know, I mean, the thing is, like, they're also kind of fun for people. Yeah. Yeah. And more fun than reality sometimes and simpler than reality. So I don't know. Those are all things about this podcast that I really enjoyed. And I I think our listeners will have a great time hearing from Chelsea and uh, getting a little bit more insight into why we sometimes believe the things that we believe. The truth. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's hear from this week's Fresh Brain, Chelsea Weber-Smith. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you. Makes me act the way I do. I'm not trying to be over-analytical. Retracing time to remind myself how ugly this could be. But something else is taking over me. Chelsea, welcome to Zombified. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Uh, I'm so excited to learn all about conspiracy theories from you. I have so many burning questions uh, about them. Can we start just by you introducing yourself in your own words? Yeah, definitely. And thank you for having me on. I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. Um, as you know, it's it's personal to me, uh, part of the impetus for my show, which is called American Hysteria. We cover all sorts of fantastical fears of Americans and how why they happen and how they affect our culture and our politics. Um, and a lot of that is conspiracy theories. And I grew up uh, with a uh, conspiracy theory dad, who was also a prepper, which you guys uh, are interested in, I know, a little bit. And uh, so I grew up kind of with stories of the Illuminati and kind of that government takeover stuff and mixed with a lot of new age you know, gobbledygook, <laughs> you know, these sort of big 2012 things like the whole apocalypse in 2012 was a theme for many years uh, in my life. And slowly I started becoming interested not in the conspiracy theories as being real, but in them as being influential in our psychology and our culture. So I wanted to, it's partially personal, right? So I'm kind of coming to terms with my own uh, misconceptions, misinformation, um, and even the ways that I've, I've spread misinformation and then attempting to use my own experience as well as just a lot of in-depth research to kind of change my own mind and then hopefully help people get out of those types of thinking, which are obviously a huge problem right now. Wow. So, so you really got into this whole area of study and investigation from your life experiences growing up in that household where like it was all about prepping for the 2012 apocalypse. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was he was uh, my weekend dad, so it wasn't I wasn't steeped in it all the time. So I kind of came in and out of this uh, this world that 
uh, yeah, has really colored everything about my thinking and now the way that I try to process and reprocess information. Wow. So, so it was your weekend dad. So it was like on the weekend, you're like in prepper mode and like the apocalypse yeah. is coming and I'm then like the Iraq war, you know, doing all these different things. Yeah. Yep. And then like during the week, was it just like going to school in suburban America kind yeah. of, or like, what was that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you had like those yeah. two alternative worlds growing yeah, up. Pretty normal, uh, on one side and, and pretty weird on the other. Um, so, so I think that that is a balance that I've had of normalcy and skepticism and then very fantastical types of, uh, thinking. So can you paint a picture for us of like, you know, when you were growing up and you were at your dad's on the weekends, like what were you guys doing to prepare for the apocalypse or what were you talking about? Like, what was that like? Well, I think what really inspired everything that I do was the change between the beginning of the conspiracy theory, which was much more spiritual and that it was about love. And that was like a big 2012 thing was, was the age of Aquarius and all these new age ideas about how love was going to transform the world and that we were moving into new, more progressive eon and all this really nice stuff. And we talk about how we'd have this beautiful commune and, and different things like that felt nice. And that, you know, like when you're far away, you're like, Oh, we'll have a new renewed, world and all of these problems will melt away and we'll live in like a beautiful grassy expanse <laughs> planting our food. And, and then sort of as it got closer, the paranoia, the, the, the collection of food, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but the intensity kicking up to being like, we need to watch stuff about how to purify water. We need to do these things in the, the mood got really dark. So it went into this place where I no longer could connect with it. And it got so, you know, it was like all the volcanoes on earth are going to explode at the same time. Like these very, you know, there's going to be thousand foot waves that are going to wipe out our cities and it's all going to happen on this day. And so it got, I grew up, you know, and I was in my early twenties by the time, uh, 2012 actually happened. And obviously that didn't, uh, occur. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that the darkness and how how there was and I learned a very dark narrative underneath the stories of, say, the Illuminati or as they're called now, the deep state, um, a lot of anti-Semitism and and different things that I hadn't seen until I really started exploring the the background of these theories. And so it was that kind of like decline into the darker aspects of the paranoia. Um, the paranoid style in American politics, you know, so the, that we, uh, that, that really just made me want to not be in that world in any way and perhaps help people get out of it. Cause I know what it's like to be, to be in that kind of thinking. It's interesting. Cause my understanding is that it's a fairly common thing also with like cults that they draw people in with like the positivity and like the love and the bonding mm -hmm. and like, you know, we're going to have this, I, you know, like really I idyllic kind of, you know, 
utopian life, yeah. right? And then it gets darker and darker and darker. Yeah. Um, but and suddenly you're like a white supremacist, right? <laughs> it's like this, ooh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, I never got to that point. That was the trigger moment because somebody said to me, I was talking about, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the elite controlling all of these aspects of our lives, which isn't untrue, but, you know, in a much more sensational, complete control. Um, and then one day I was talking to someone who also believed in this type of thing. And they said, yeah, the Jews control everything. And I was like, oh, whoa, like that was because I've never been I've always been a very left-leaning person. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, I just, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I started to, to investigate it and we got down to like the bones of it, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about eventually. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear more about that actually, but Dave, it looks like you want to jump in. So. Well I was going to say, I mean, it's like, so as somebody who's sort of like, I remember like in 2002 going to like a George Bush caused 9-11 sort of rally, you know, with some of my friends and like always sort of being rather skeptical of the government and things like that. Um, like as I'm hearing this, I'm like, it's a weird mix, you know, because I could see how, and I've, I've heard things like. I remember like being in like, so I went to film school and I remember being in Texas and listening to like somebody who was listening to something on the radio. Like I was in like a convenience store and it was like, oh, the homosexuals are putting women in television shows to steal your husbands. And I was like, I know the guys who are putting like women in these television shows. They're not thinking about your husbands, you know? So some of it seems crazy, but some of it also seems like, not, I'm not saying Bush caused 9-11, but like, I think that, for me at the time really tapped into this sort of idea of I'm not sure the government is worried about protecting me. And so the idea that the government could have allowed, you know, the idea that the government allows bad things to happen to U.S. citizens still doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. Uh, and so I think I'm somebody who's sort of still in the middle in this sort of conspiracy theory thing. You know what I mean? Um, like, I don't know. Some of it still seems very scary. So, um. well, I think the interesting thing, too, about that is when you go back to the Bush years, the left was much more likely to be promoting this type of conspiracy because it was it was about Bush. right? It was about 9-11 and it was about the Patriot Act and all these different things. Um, and it kind of trans I mean. It's always been a right wing story, which is the complete control of the government and that that extends um, whoever these elite people are who are often the Jewish cabal is what they're called. Um, and that story stretches back to the Bolshevik Revolution and all of, and was a huge part of Nazi Germany and the eugenics movement and all these uh, really scary things. And I think the important distinction is that conspiracies exist. We know this. Bohemian Grove, which is a place that rich people go, politicians, media people, you know, people, just famous folks that have influence all go to this secret meeting for two weeks 
in the Redwoods and they do all kinds of weird, they put on a weird play where it seems like they're sacrificing something, which of course plays into this. We're hearing more and more of this satanic panic again. And what it, what the difference really is, is like the overreaching conspiracy versus these small issues that are really nuanced that are often problems that are happening behind the scenes and are constructed, but the, the Illuminati is not, doesn't exist in that there's not a concerted joint effort between Hollywood politicians, world bankers to dominate the world. That's, that's where it gets, you know, and, and often they're satanic, which we'll get to also, I'm sure. Can can I just go back real quick? You were saying Bohemian Grove. I've never heard. Is never this an actual this. thing or is this yeah. just a theory? No, this, is, this is like a real thing? This is a real what thing. What is this? So, so, yeah, I can explain it. Uh, it's, it is exactly what I, I said. So they go to revere the Redwoods, um, which is what their website says. I actually found myself outside of there. I knew about it from, honestly, if you want the truth, Alex Jones, because he used to not be he used to be into this stuff and so was I. And it was before he went all the way to the insane side. I mean, he's always been, you know, crazy, but I like to admit that, uh, up front, but, (laughs) uh, he went and kind of infiltrated this and he made all these films of them wearing these robes and praying in front of a stone owl with this giant fire and chanting it's very haunting and it's real you can see it and the it sounds kind of like a cross between summer camp and harry potter yeah and a satanic cult i guess you know like this all right awesome yeah perfect all the things we love um but they uh basically I, i ended up camping uh with people right around there and their family had worked there for generations and they had all these crazy stories and you know they said to me they wear robes and they do all this weird stuff uh they put on they do fake sacrifices and of course when i was a conspiracy theorist this was like to me i was like oh my god you know this is real stuff um but then when you really get down to it, it's mostly just a weird, like, grab-assy frat party. You know, they just, like, <laughs> it really is. They just smoke cigars and they, you know, do all this weird stuff. And they do put on, it's the, called the cremation of care. And it's a weird play. And I don't really know. I mean, it's some kind of tradition. But it's like the whole fratty. It's just like a, a adult frat initiation or something. Um, but, of course, it gets blown up into it being like one of the basis of all conspiracy theories is satanic, you know, power. So they're generating some kind of satanic power altogether out in the redwoods. So uh, to your point, David, some of it is true because they undoubtedly go there and make decisions and make deals and decide things. Um, but it just doesn't reach out into some very, concerted joint effort between all of these different liberal uh, institutions. One of the things I think is so interesting about conspiracy and conspiracy theory in relation to this zombification idea is that there's sort of two sides to it, right? One is like the whole conspiracy theory notion is almost like, hey, we're being zombified, 
right? Like that's like a lot of the root of conspiracy theories. We're being zombified or someone else is being zombified. The children are being zombified. Um, But then the conspiracy theories themselves will zombify people as well. Absolutely. So so it's sort of weird, right? Because like on some level, like, you know, I totally get this, like, you should, you know, be a little bit suspicious of like what forces are actually controlling your behavior or the things in the world, right? And investigate that. But then that like desire almost to try to understand what's going on can lead down this pathway where you get hijacked by the conspiracy theories themselves. Absolutely. And I mean, they're all they're all just, it's just fear, right? And fear makes us simplify things into categories of us and them. And it makes us uh, really want to stick to and double down on what we believe is true. And so it's, it is both things because the stories are often, I mean, the gay agenda is a great example of a conspiracy theory in which, um, the schools are indoctrinating children because, you know, a new a new uh, curriculum includes one mention that like some people are gay or Tinky Winky from the Teletubbies being uh, a secret gay agent that's trying to teach children to be gay, whatever, you know, um, which is connected (laughs) to a lot of other conspiracy theories. But, you know, this indoctrination, fluoride in the water is a good example that the government's putting fluoride in the water to control our minds. Um, and of course, the media uh, is is creating a liberal agenda. Um, and what else? What are other good ones? Um, you know, that Satanists are controlling the media and Hollywood and they're degrading our morals and destroying the nuclear family. And uh, and it is you're right that it is hugely about mind control, even vaccines. Some people believe that that, you know, causes autism Um, And then some people take that farther to that it is kind of creating a zombified nation. Yeah. So, so many levels of zombification. Many. (laughs) So, uh, Chelsea, you brought up this issue of fear, right? Like that fear is one of the kind of vulnerabilities that makes it possible to hijack people this way. Are there other kind of you know, mechanisms or like ways that this zombification via conspiracy theories happens from your perspective? Yeah, let's see. I think that a lot of, we talk a lot about moral panics, which um, happen during times of social change a lot of the, a lot of the time. And uh, these conspiracy theories often exist to uphold um, a status quo and often that of the past, uh, which is also a big fascism. Conspiracy theories are a huge cornerstone of fascism, and that's what I've been reading a lot about lately. Um, But hearkening back to this past, right, like Trump does, hearkening back to a time when things were great, um, and then also about how liberalism especially is or progressive values or whatever is destroying the cornerstone of our society, which is the family um, and the patriarchal head uh, of a white nation. Um, and a lot of it isn't, I don't think that people who believe this always know that the root of it is kind of a racial 
or sex-based anxiety um, or even sexuality-based anxiety, um, but a lot of it will target the white patriot as sort of the ultimate victim um, who's been maligned, especially white working class, um, who's been maligned into uh, subordination to a feminist, queer, uh, liberal agenda. And so we see Trump essentially right now claiming that um, the new movements to include racial justice curriculum and a a true understanding uh, 1619 project um, of our past and and people want to seemingly uh, replace that past even though it's not replacing it, that's what's so funny is we finally got like a little bit of truth in our education curriculum about slavery and, and the civil rights movement. And that was that was too much. Right. So so um, it's about going back and scrubbing away the injustices that have led to movements um, and then making those movements more of a concerted effort to harm the powerful and, and, and take away their rights and take away the white majority. That's a big thing about is, is the white genocide, meaning that white folks are producing children at a slower rate and will become eventually a minority in the country. And of course that's, that's scary for people because they've seen how we've treated other minorities. Um, So it, it really does connect to social fears. Um, and we see a lot of conspiracy theories popping up around Obama, right? We had a f- our first black president and the conspiracy theories, including the birther conspiracy, those were, they were huge then. And they've just sort of continued on into the Trump administration, I think, as, as justification for the pendulum swinging back toward um, upholding this old idea of what America is supposed to be. Right. Does that all make sense? It's it, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of different <laughs> theories going on. I, I, know. I, so I have a question sort of on the zombification thing of like, where do these come from? You know, what, mm-hmm. what starts them, what causes them to, to spread essentially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would even say also just, originally, like, what is the seed of this? You, you know, you, you mentioned a little earlier kind of some connections to Nazi Germany, connections mm-hmm. to fascism. Um, can you give us like a brief history kind of of conspiracy theories? Like, you know, where did they come from and what's the pathway to our present now? I mean, conspiracy theories are, I think, part of our sort of biological DNA almost because Conspiracy theories are always about creating an other and also often about creating a self-victimhood. And so, and a lot of times that victimhood serves to sort of justify other actions. Um, When the colonists came over, the stories of indigenous slaughters, uh, blood drinking of babies, because we're hearing these things again now. We're hearing that the Democrats are sex trafficking children and doing satanic rituals. Like this is, politicians are spreading these ideas now. So 
but they're not new. And so, yeah, we have the indigenous. We had slaves that were drinking blood and and killing children. The Christians were accused by the Romans of these this conspiracy. The Jewish folks, even before some of these conspiracies really solidified, were accused of of stealing Christian babies and just this weird, um, this weird idea that we sort of project onto the people who are our cultural others, kind of like the worst traits that you can. Um, because then, you know, for example, if you're a white colonist and the person whose land you are taking has been demeaned to the level of drinking (laughs) baby's blood, you're sort of able to be like, to, to do the things that you it's a, want. a way to dehumanize, yeah. right, basically. And, and this whole notion of targeting the most vulnerable individuals, yeah. right, like children, babies, um, you know, individuals maybe who also can't tell you what yeah. actually happened. Um, and, you know, basically turning these other people into monsters by saying that they're targeting those vulnerable individuals and doing Sorry, things to on. them that only monsters would do. Absolutely. Yeah. Is this going okay so far? It's going great. Okay. I don't know if sometimes I'm not sure what level that I'm supposed to start on in terms of knowledge. So if you need me to go back and do any stuff to make sense No, it's of great. It. Okay, great. Just All right. Yeah. Sorry. I hope that didn't throw you off. No, 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 no. Um, I'll go back and talk a little bit more about sort of the Nazi stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so... So in addition to sort of the the biological imperative, we have this this story of, and I think it goes back to biblical times of, I think it's really important to understand that the root of all this is this Jewish conspiracy. And it gets hidden under layers and layers of other things. But if you really get to the, the core of it, it is the Jewish elite. Jews in Hollywood, Jews in the government, Jews in, you know, banks and all of those different things that are apparently controlling the world. And part of this comes from uh, <laughs> there's like a series of ridiculous documents that accuse like the Freemasons, the Catholics um, and all different types of of others uh, throughout uh, here and, and in Europe as well. Um, and uh, let's see, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, the documents. Thank that, you. Yeah. So yeah. the documents uh, have kind of played on each other the way we see today with conspiracy theories, how they will reference other conspiracy theorists, but it looks like legit because they're using footnotes. They're using these different things. So it looks like an academic document that goes all the way back to uh, I believe it was the, the 16th, 1700s. Um, and then it was imported over here actually, uh, by Henry Ford. There's a document called the protocols of the elders of Zion, which is probably the most important conspiracy theory document that exists. And it is a, uh, forgery. It's just a, it was either a play or it was a piece of propaganda. I don't think that anyone knows for sure, but it basically is a conversation like the notes from a discussion of a bunch of Jewish leaders about how to control the world. Um, like they're having this conversation, like a little like evil villains around a table. Right. Um, 
And that document was imported over to the United States by Henry Ford and his uh, media printing company printed 500,000 copies and delivered them all over the world. Um, sorry, all over the nation. And um, it was a really huge boost to 1920s anti-Semitism. Um, and with with Hitler, he he took this document and he used it in so many of his early speeches to create the idea that they were fighting a threat, that the Nazis were fighting a Jewish threat. And that actually came directly from Henry Ford. And Henry Ford was the only American mentioned in Mein Kampf. And Hitler had a full-sized portrait of Henry Ford beside his desk, which are things that people don't really realize. Um, And how the conspiracy theories that went around the United States that led to things like eugenics um, also were really the inspiration for the rise of a lot of European fascism. And so we can see how dangerous this is. And then we can trace it all the way through the communists, the gay people, you know, the whatever, the civil rights movement, Black Panthers, like anyone can be. They said that the Black Panthers were under control of the Jewish elite, you know, and and these crazy stories about this overarching control. And we see it into this day. It was it was funny for a bit. I don't know if you guys remember kind of all of the ridiculous Illuminati stuff where it was Beyonce and Justin Bieber and they were doing rituals during the, you know, uh, during awards shows and all of this, you know, ridiculous stuff, which got funny. And then once uh, Trump started running and people were reacting to a black president, things really uh, things really got dark pretty fast. So it yeah. just it's there. It's it's there throughout time and it'll probably be there forever. Unfortunately, we just have to learn so, how to chill it out a little. <laughs> so, I mean, when I hear that, though. Right. So that's Henry Ford who's somebody who did really well, right? He seems like he was probably one of these controlling Illuminati-type guys, right? Spreading out this information that, no, no, it's these other guys. And I still feel like, like that's a conspiracy that I still kind of believe to be true, you know? And I, I still even feel like today, I feel like I see a lot of things where I think, oh, that's being put out by the government or by somebody who's in a position of power to make me think I should be afraid of somebody who isn't them. Um, does that make sense? Like, well, it's almost like the conspiracy theory, like the generation of the conspiracy theory is a conspiracy. <laughs> right. <Sure. Like laughs> and you're not wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, Right. Because that is like you're not wrong. People putting their heads together and referencing other documents to create an alternate reality. And I mean, that's propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm always like, well, how much of that is intentional? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. because I would also always hear these things about like that. Was the FBI trying to keep gangs fighting each other? And did they kill Tupac because he was trying to unite gangs? Like, is there a big incentive for people in power to sort of turn us, turn us against each other by because of our race, because of our religion, things like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, There's an enormous incentive. We've talked about, and I think that's the important thing, is it doesn't mean debunking conspiracy theories does not mean that there aren't concerted efforts to influence public opinion, right? They're just not coming from 
this joint weird group of people under control of Jewish leaders are coming from the elite class. That's to be certain. It's just not as simple as we want to make it. There are a million problems rather than one giant evil thing to battle. We have to battle these individual issues that are so overwhelming that we just would love it to be so simple. But on your point, I think we did an episode called Rednecks, which was debunking a lot of and explaining a lot of the the idea of the psychic dumping ground of the poor white person for racism. Like, here's where racism happens. It's over here. It's these degenerate people that, you know, liberalism likes to blame for the racism that we couldn't possibly contain. And so, um, but back in the days when we first kidnapped and brought um, African folks over into the colonies in the early 1600s, there wasn't a huge, huge social difference between someone who was enslaved and someone who was an indentured servant who was often Irish or um, from somewhere else where people were immigrating from at that time. And um, they actually created this category of race because slaves who were in a different class because they had no option to get out of slavery, whereas indentured servants would pledge their servitude for a number of years, but would give up a lot of rights. So they ended up finding more in common with each other. An enslaved person found a lot more in common with an indent- a white indentured servant than someone in the planter class. And when they started to join together and band together against the elite, there was a concerted effort by politicians and planters to, to um, differentiate slaves and Black folks from working class whatever plant, uh, people who were indentured servants to destroy that unity, um, by making poor whites feel superior because suddenly they had more in common with this rich class than they did with someone else. And when you have no power, sometimes you'll take any you can get. So how much of this do you think is deliberate and how much Mm -hmm. of it do you think just sort of happens organically, you know? I, yeah, I think that they're like feedback loops kind of, you know, like in times of stability. I mean, there's a lot of studies that say that people who believe in conspiracy theories also feel extremely disempowered. Um, and you know, there, no one's immune to conspiracy theories, you know, like the conspiracy theory that AIDS was introduced by the Reagan administration to, you know, kill African people and these different things that aren't true, but are coming from places of feeling disempowered and feeling this terror over, uh, HIV that had no cure that no one was paying attention to um, that was obviously affecting a lot of black folks here and around the world. Um, <clears throat> and so a lot of it does come from this feeling of being disempowered. Um, but at the same time, I think it's harder to say that that's true. I guess it's true of Trump when working class white voters do feel like they've been forgotten and they're not in the conversation and all of those different things for better, for worse, whether that's true or not. Um, the feeling exists. And as you know, there are more gains by minorities of all different kinds of, you know, all stripes. It starts to feel scary for a white man in America who's never been called a white man, who's never been in a category of a person who suddenly knows what it feels like to be uh 
to be categorized by your race versus like, oh, I'm just white. That's the norm. You know, everyone else is is a race, but I'm just white. It's normal. And it never had anything really negative attached to it. I mean, it did. But in terms of culturally, socially uh, and now there is power in the hands of people that aren't uh, straight white men. And that's really that's nerve wracking. So I think when you have someone like Trump rising up, he's going to be using fake news and calling things fake news, which is a huge tool of propaganda always is also discrediting real news. And it really just destabilizes a nation enough to not really know what's real anymore. And that is a huge, huge tool of people who are rising in a fascist state to uh, to create a new reality. And so I think when people are confused and scared, um, they can be made more afraid by politicians and that can be uh, really exploited. And I think to your question, uh, David, it's it's like, it's, I just think there's so many, there's just a lot of interplay, but, but calling something fake news, discrediting scholars, discrediting, as I'm sure you guys hear academics all the time, you know, elite democratic, uh, intellectuals and all of the different things you can really destabilize truth as we've seen, we're living in like a post-truth reality. Um, and so that then plays into the hands of people in power because they get to they get to both offer the safety. Right. That's the whole thing is I'm the law and order guy. I'm going to save everyone from the destruction in the streets by radical Marxists. Um, and those conspiracy theories just spread because people also want to reinforce their worldview. They want to reinforce why President Trump is a great guy when consistently every day something comes out proving the opposite. But then if all of that is fake, if all of that's a conspiracy against him, then there's no need to question why you'd continue supporting this man that you've kind of put your whole life into. So hopefully that wasn't too rambling and made some semblance of some sense. Well, uh, do, do you want to jump I, in, Athena? I want to just come back to this idea, kind of pulling some of the threads together of, you know, you pointed out how, like the difference between a conspiracy theory and like the influence that is happening in, you know, reality from elites and other powerful individuals is this notion of like with the conspiracy theory, it's all coming from one place, mm -hmm. right? Like there's a single cause versus this like really messy, complex, multiple causation that is the way that things are in reality. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting to me that, you know, we know that when people are stressed, when they're afraid, um, it's harder for them to have as complex thoughts. It's harder to consider things that are as complex, right? Fear really kind of constrains how you process the information that's coming in. So, you know, it, it's almost as if, are, you know, like when we are afraid, when we're stressed, we're like primed for these simplified explanations of, you know, the forces that are zombifying us, that it's just, it's one thing, exactly. right? As opposed to the complex multitude of forces that are constantly zombifying us that have all these different origins and reasons and 
um, you know, individuals behind them. Yeah. We just want to simplify everything. You know, I think conspiracy theories, if you get down to the very heart of them for me, are about ordering the chaos, right? And and thinking that, well, if someone's in control of this chaos, even if there's some, you know, evil elite satanic cult, that is somehow less scary than kind of living in this unknowable universe where we can't, where truth is really hard to understand and we don't, you know, everything's sort of uh, chaotic. You know, you don't know, you know, if you don't have a strong belief in God and all that kind of stuff. And even if you do, it can be really, you know, that that fear is always kind of there that we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know when a tragedy in our own life is going to strike. We don't know when you know, we could have another 9-11, for example. We don't know when, you know, the government could rise up in uh, tyr- tyrannical reign, you know, all these different things that that are scary to us. Um, and then if there is just this one group that is pulling all the strings and creating all these problems, that's, yeah, that's just, it's easier to, <laughs> to address in a way. It's easier t- than then, oh, the government is also made up of a bunch of fallible kind of like dumb people sometimes that make mistakes or have their own agendas or um, are just being lobbied by the NRA or by who knows who. Um, and it's a lot more boring than I think that's it, too, is like mm-hmm. if you have a conspiracy theory, then by virtue, you are a hero. You are one of the people who gets it. You're on the inside. You're not a sheep. You know, you're not a zombie. With conspiracy theories, people think they are not zombies, right? They're not zombified. They see the truth and everybody else is under the hypnosis of, you know, the elite cult. And I think that's really interesting too. Yeah, that is amazing, right? Because both sides see the other side as the zombie. Yeah. 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 I hadn't thought about it that way. That's cool, though. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a lot of it, right? Is that it's like the other side is just this sort of unthinking horde that just wants our destruction, you know? And and I fall prey to that when I think about, you know, (laughs) yeah. And (laughs) so it's like... And I wonder, like, I always wonder, is that might be natural. You know, we were talking about that. That might just be a thing that we think of uh, the out group as, oh, they're zombies. And uh, it's hard. It's hard to think, wait, these are other people who are... Because also then, I don't know, there's so many people. And just... Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah I know. <laughs> well, and the idea that it could all be hidden, right? This, like, huge agenda of mind control and... and uh whatever is all hidden because they're just that smart. They're just that evil that they can kind of like slip all this stuff under the radar and control our minds with us. The only people who can expose it are these people who are the conspiracy theorists. And of course they're just pretty much making things up or taking a tiny grain of truth and expanding it into like, you know, the tiny grain of truth being that who controls our lives, but politicians, we're, our lives are controlled by the government. That's like, and, and yeah. also the idea that the evil forces are actually no smarter than me, that they're just a bunch of people who are having as much trouble getting through life as I am. That's pretty terrifying as well. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> I know. And I mean, if somebody tells you you're a good guy and you're fighting evil, like I, 
we all want to believe that, you know? And yeah. it sucks because the more that I do this, the more empathy that I have uh, for people. Empathy's the worst. Empathy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Empathy's real hard. But, you know, maybe not even empathy, but just like this blanket understanding of why this happens to people and how a lot of times it is just zombification of growing up in a conservative area, um, having racial anxieties without, because many people, I mean, all of us have racial anxieties, but they're not, they don't manifest as I'm wearing a Klan hood. You know, it manifests as seeing a black person as more likely to be a criminal or, you know, so these, these, these anxieties exist in, in all communities, but especially communities where there is this feeling of a current type of disempowerment, not a long-term, but now, now everything's gone too far, right? The civil rights movement was great, but now everything's going too far. So I might've, I might've drifted away from <laughs> whatever the question was, but. Well, I think, cause we were yeah. talking about empathy and there is that mm -hmm. like, and also, as you were talking about sort of the redneck thing, I think it's nice to be a part of a group and it's nice to think, oh, there's these other people out there who are the problem and they're, they've all been zombified but I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. I, that yeah. then I'm in a part of a better group, you know, that's, it's nice and to be able to think that. All and of so. us think that here, I'm sure, you know, like we all think that we're, we're, you know, heroes of the story and, you know, that's not a bad thing always. And of course, I'm always going to thank that, you know, I'm on the, the right side of history. And I, I do believe that. Um, but that is a firmly held belief of the other side as well. Um, I think we tend to do the same thing where we demonize uh, Trump voters and everything, which again, I'm not saying is good or bad. It's just the fact is that, that we also project a lot onto our other. Um, and the more that I investigate the other, it, uh, my others, um, which are, you know, white supremacists. How about Proud Boys? You know, I've done, I know so much about Proud Boys. Um, men's rights activists, we've done a lot of work on that type of thing. I start to see how these, these people arrive at this conclusion and how that can be comforting um, and how also pe they're manipulated by Fox News propaganda or they're manipulated by Alex Jones, who they identify with for a second and then it just, you know, is a decline or, you know, men who join these like red pill men's rights incel groups usually start out being really lonely and feeling, you know, this whole thing starts with a, a true human thing. And then what comes around that is different for all of us, but that kind of core thing, unless, you know, you're born like a serial killer psychopath, we all have this sort of core fear and then everything just builds around that. And I think that's really sad. Um, and I think yeah. that's why our show, we really do try to take an empathetic stance while not putting up with any bullshit. Um, you know, so I think at the, at the end of the day, it just being someone who could be duped into a narrative that, that is attractive to me in some way. I, I just have, empathy for the fact that most of the people who are hardcore <clears throat> Trump supporters, I consider to be part of a cult. Um, cause at this point there's no, there's no real way to break out of this thinking with a charismatic leader, um, kind of taking everything over. 
So if we kind of like expand our frame a little Mm -hmm. bit to thinking about conspiracy theories, you know, more broadly and like throughout history, how how do you see these forces from, you know, these attractive narratives like with, you know, single cause um, of, you know, why things are the way they are and this sort of zombification by these forces? Is that a problem for sort of thinking of ourselves as autonomous individuals that are in control of our lives? How how does this tie in Mm -hmm. with these sort of issues about autonomy and free will? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's always nice to be able to blame things outside of ourselves um, for our problems. And I think that's a big part of conspiracy theories is if I'm this disempowered, then nothing that I do wrong is really my fault. Um, But I think at the same time, people that believe the opposite of that are also wrong because our cultural conditioning, our social hierarchies, all of those things are zombifying us from birth. So I think it kind of hits on on the two things where it's nice to believe that something's in control and it's kind of nice to believe that it's not us because it, free will is also really, really scary. Um, but then at the same time, it's like also an acknowledgement or I think it's good to acknowledge that the zombification does happen from without. Like that's not untrue that we are being zombified. Um, it's just sort of the question is, is by who? Um And I don't know, I think it, that's why charismatic leaders are so huge. You know, those people, they don't have to have charisma, but to be a charismatic leader, but the people who express a complete confidence where they say, I know what's real. I know who the enemy is. I'm the only one who can save you. And if you're someone who, you know, that's why a lot of intelligent people join cults, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I do not want to think anymore. And I would love someone to just be like, here's the truth. Don't worry about it. I got this. Um, and I think conspiracy theories act as that and then are, of course, employed by. Because, I mean, think about a cult, right? Every cult is full of conspiracy theories. Jonestown, everybody was after them. The Manson family, everyone was after them. You know, it's this paranoia um, that uh, can end up with you wanting to kind of give up that free will. Well, and you bring up a great point that, you know, people who are often recruited into cults or, you know, find cults attractive, you know, it's not that they're somehow broken or messed up people, right? Like lots of people get sucked in, you know, because they are, you know, looking for deeper meaning because they're, you know, really productive. They're, you know, they know how to get things done. So cults even seek them out. Right. So like if, if there is some sort of a parallel here with, you know, more broadly, like believing in conspiracy theories and being vulnerable to, um, cults, it, you know, it's not like a individual failure to have that vulnerability. It's something that, lots and lots of people have. I mean, all of us have it to some extent, right? I mean, if you control somebody's reality enough, um, it's really easy to sort of pull them into uh, an alternate world, which then they can act on. Yeah, absolutely. I've accidentally almost been in a cult (laughs) before. So, I mean, it wasn't a cult. It's like one of those 
it's a little on the Nexium tip, like on the, it came out of, it's like a branch of Scientology that uh, my family was into. So I went to some classes on that and, you know, I, I know what it's like uh, to have someone present to you um, something that feels true, something that suddenly makes you vulnerable um, and, and how much you want to latch on to. Basically, I, I think it's a lot about certainty and latching on to someone who has this apparent strength that you don't feel like you have or you want to mirror or you want to be a part of. And I, and I also yeah. think it is that story of having someone tell you you're the good one because so many of us at our core question whether we're good or bad, you know, as if those are real categories. But, you know, so many of us just want to feel like we just know we're on the good side because anyone who who is worth their salt, I would, you know, I think personally questions themselves as much as possible and their motives and their opinions and their the opinions of the groups that they're a part of. Um, and uh, but it's also great to not do that. It feels really good not to do that. It feels really good to be righteous, you know, but mm. often being righteous leads to pretty horrific things. So. It, it- it leads to horrific things for society, but I could see how it's really beneficial on an individual level, right? Like if you can always think you're the good guy and you can always think the other people are the bad guy, then when you present yourself to other people, you'll always be like, no, 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 look, that, mm-hmm. that guy, yeah, sure. I stole from him because he's evil, but you, no, yeah. you know, it's a really mm-hmm. beneficial sort of way to go through life uh, for an individual person. Well, and for someone to find a community for better, for worse. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because we all want in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the long term, it might not be so great. Yeah. Which actually, where are we at now? Or Athena, do you have a. Yeah. So I want to kind of start bringing us to to a close a bit here. But we always ask this question, um, you know, essentially, what is the zombie apocalypse scenario? for this form of zombification. So what is the zombie apocalypse of everybody being zombified by conspiracy theories or us being, you know, even just a little bit more vulnerable to being zombified by conspiracy theories than we are now? What's that world look like? Well, um, I think, you know, it's been, we've been talking about it a lot, especially after the debate. And, um, I think that the danger will be um, the discrediting of of the electoral process, which has already been happening for actually several years. Um, the calls to arms that we've been, you know, vaguely hearing um, with what Trump said at the debate to Proud Boys um, and these this basically the civil war, um, which is also part of the overarching conspiracy, um, which we didn't really get to, but the idea that um, the government is going to take over, take people's guns, disempower. Um, and so that combined with a like militia mindset, um, because, you know, I mean, the reason that the Oklahoma bombing happened was because of Timothy McVeigh's belief in conspiracy theories. So these, this is very it's very possible that there could be more violence as the, as questions come up of, of who was actually elected. Was that election legit? Which I expect there is no chance that Trump will accept the election results. I've been really worried for quite a while about 
the violence that could occur from people who suddenly believe that they need to take up arms and be heroes, um, because that's a true belief. The true belief that the Marxist black transgender radical left has, um, you know, taken over the streets and have begun to arm themselves sort of in like a throwback to the fear of the Black Panthers, um, who are basically just doing the exact same thing that white men had been able to do, which was bare arms. Um, and, you know, we see a lot of, of the terror of this armed vigilante on the right, or, I mean, sorry, on the left, which then causes people on the right to kind of take up arms like what we saw at Charlottesville um, and what we've seen, you know, on the streets happening with Kenosha and the shooting and all those different types of things and and the violence that's happened on both sides, um, I don't think is going to slow down. Um, and So are you talking about like what you think is just happening yeah. and this is the track we're on or is this like uh, imaginary zombie apocalypse scenario because it's sounding like you're just sort of talking about what you think is going to happen. Well, I mean, that feels like that's what the zombie apocalypse (laughs) is going to be to me is, is a group of sort of zombified folks who feel that they're in the right zombified by, you know, the Trump administration uh, and fake news, propaganda, um, misinformation, disinformation um, that have, have, imagined that we are the zombies, that the left is the zombies. Anyone out in the street is a zombie. Uh, we want to come into the suburbs. We want to get their old ladies, you know, and pull them into the street. And I don't know, we want to, you know, take their babies away and, and all of these different things that, that create an individual that's so scary that people would be willing to take the law into their own hands, which we've seen that rhetoric quite a bit from the president now, um, as well as other prominent figures on the right. So for me, I didn't, I, I thought you were asking for my actual real world scenario of what the zombie apocalypse looked like. Were you asking something else? No, I, I don't know. About I mean, you, it Athena, sounds, it sounds like, that's like you're basically just saying, you know, the zombie apocalypse is upon us, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Hopefully not an apocalypse, but <laughs> definitely a period of serious chaos where people are going to keep probably hold even tighter to these stories because it's going to be scary. Things are so scary. Things are so scary. I mean, the left feminists on the left have been sharing a ton of misinformation about child sex trafficking, which is a huge part of conspiracy theories. And, you know, it, it's it's everybody's getting sucked in through fear and through othering and all of these different things. And I think we all really, 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 really have to be on guard, all of us on every side, because there's always misinformation and disinformation coming to all of us. And and it's scary because right now it's just it feels like these lines are so drawn. And I think that they are. Um, but hopefully I don't know. I have I I don't have a lot of good things to say, but I, I'm hoping that it will be a period of time and we will figure it out uh, or else uh, we live in a new dictatorship. So <laughs> one of our final questions is, is the question of what can we do to sort of prevent or survive this mm. apocalypse scenario? Well, <laughs> part of Part of combating, at least with conspiracy theories, you know, it's really hard to do because 
studies actually show that when people are presented with an opposite viewpoint to their own, they often just double down. Um, it actually makes, it strengthens people's belief to see the opposite evidence to their, their stance. Um, and I know I'm guilty of that too. Um, so I don't, so this whole thing, we just need to, we just need to educate people and, and we need to do all these different things. Uh, I don't really know how well that will work. Um, but I do think that, we are not going to get anywhere by rage. Um, I think rage is very important in political movements, but to change a person's mind out of conspiracy theories, if you call them stupid, you scream at them, it isn't going to work. You know, it's just not going to work. Um, doesn't mean that rage and, um, you know, righteous anger doesn't have a huge, if not probably the most important place in social movements. But when you're combating misinformation, you just kind of have to be gentle. You have to sort of try to find common ground. And that's what we do on the show is we try to make a show that somebody could come into, probably not the most radical conspiracy theorist, but someone could come in and feel, okay, I'm not being made fun of I mean, we do a lot of that, but, you know, I'm not being made fun of. <laughs> Someone's trying to understand me, um, trying to find common ground, you know, um, trying to unite people. Um, I think reminding people that the enemy is billionaires <laughs> or, you know, enemies silly, but that 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 the powerful folks who do have a lot of influence are really the people that we need to be holding accountable versus oh, my neighbor down the street who said something shitty. Um, I don't know. I think that it's so much easier to try to attack and make examples of individuals who are really just expressing things that we know exist. Like a person who says something sexist has been zombified by a sexist culture and is expressing something that we need to fight. But it feels like conspiracy theory is easier to kind of say, you're the, you're a horrible person. You're this, you're that versus saying you're expressing something that I want to battle. You know, you, in a way you have been disempowered by hypnosis, by, by a cultural sort of conditioning. And so we have to remember that it's institutions, it's laws, it's long-term historical biases and it's also people who from the beginning have held an extremely disproportionate amount of wealth for absolutely no <laughs> good reason um and that there has always been a vested interest in turning our you know turning us against each other and i think people like fred hampton um who's one of my big heroes from the black panthers who was murdered by the fbi in a conspiracy um he brought together uh, the folks who were called hillbillies um, back then, people who left Appalachia, poor white people, he brought them together with the Black Panthers, with a Latinx uh, gang, and they all came together. They all created social programs. They didn't agree on everything. They had conversations. These hillbillies agreed to stop flying the Confederate flag when Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers explained why it was racist. You know, they formed this thing called the Rainbow Coalition. And I always think that's a really wonderful thing to remember is that it is possible to cross lines. It is possible to break down the us and them, or at least reestablish, because I think we'll kind of always have 
have a desire to protect our own, whatever that means, but that that doesn't have to be the social categories that we've created. It can be, it can, we can change that. We can go back to the solidarity that we once had, um, that we kind of destroy through conspiracy theories that, that make each other into these bloodthirsty (laughs) monsters. Right. So it's like, even if you think that somebody has been zombified, that doesn't make them inhuman, right? Yeah. Just because they've been zombified doesn't mean they're a zombie other, right? right. There's still mm-hmm. that humanity and kind of recognizing that shared humanity and that all of us are fundamentally vulnerable yep. to zombification. That's kind of part of what it means. Yep. And it's not a human. kumbaya thing. You know, this isn't some, oh, you know, we can all come together. You know, it's not. It takes really hard work and it's really ugly stuff sometimes to figure out how to work together. But I don't know. I just think if if we're going to do it, we have to start doing it and we have to start from a place of trying to at least, you know, we all know that these systems are ingrained in, or at least many of us believe that all of these different social categories have influenced all of our thinking. And, and so I think if we take a little bit of the pressure off, here's a bad individual and think about how a bad individual is expressing a bad system. So can I ask just one last question? So this idea that we should all sort of work together, is this a thing you really believe or are you secretly being paid or blackmailed to tell us to work together? No, no, I am. uh, It's my cautious optimism, I guess. Um, I do believe in love. (laughs) You know, I believe in that kind of stuff. But no, I'm not being paid uh, except the measly advertising money that I get from American Hysteria. (laughs) Hardly worth it. (laughs) Well, Chelsea, it has been amazing having you on the show. I learned so much about conspiracy theories and how they zombify us as individuals and as a society and... I just really appreciate you sharing your brains with us. Ah, thank you. I so appreciate you letting me uh, go on and on and on. I like to pretend <laughs> I come back to a point, so hopefully, hopefully I do. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just as zombified as everybody else. So uh, we just got to try right. to undo it together. But thank you both so much. Thank you guys, Athena and David. This has been so fun. I love it. Yeah, thank you so That's much, great. Chelsea. And if the whole world says that we're crazy.
Zombified is a production of Arizona State University and the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. And we would like to thank everyone who conspired to make Zombified possible, including the psychology department here at ASU. Yeah, psych. They're uh, (laughs) (laughs) part of the the whole thing, I think. Uh, The Interdisciplinary Cooperation Initiative and the President's Office at ASU. That's right. The Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics. Of conspiracies and other. <laughs> Ethical conspiracies. <laughs> um, everyone on Z team. Yes. It. Yeah. Uh, all of the undergrads and others on our Z team who share their brains to make this podcast actually, happen. Actually, all do work together yes. towards a common goal of entertaining <laughs> people. Um, Wait a second. Are you saying that they're behind a zombified conspiracy? I think they might be involved. (laughs) (laughs) I do know that Tal Ram is involved. Yes, Tal Ram is involved. He puts he puts the uh, subaudible mind control tones under everything, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then Neil Smith, who makes our illustrations, and he definitely implants um, subliminal messages inside those to control our brains. That's right. And Lemmy, who makes the song that will, if you play it backwards. It might not sound as good. (laughs) (laughs) And you can uh, follow us and support us uh, by going on your social media on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find us on TikTok. Where else can you find us? Um, Well, you can find our merchandise on uh, channelz.org. Yeah, and uh, we have some amazing T-shirts, not just of from the Zombified podcast, but also from the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Meeting with all of our different shows. So if you're a fan of um, Unreal World, for example, you could get yourself a bright pink T-shirt with a picture of a dancer in a yellow hazmat suit in front of a Winnebago. That's right. And if you wear that T-shirt, it lets people know you're part of the secret club. So, That's right. Yes. yes. You're, you're part of the zombie in group. So, yep. um, And also, uh, where can people hear more of Chelsea's podcast? Yeah. So Chelsea's podcast, American Hysteria, is awesome. And you can find it on all major podcast platforms. So definitely check that out if you haven't. I've started listening to it and it is now one of my favorite podcasts. And you can just start from the beginning with like the, you know, Stranger Danger and Satanic Panic episodes. Um, They're awesome. And I, I, I love listening to that podcast. Yeah, it is really it's really entertaining. So um Cool. And then also, if people hear this before Zam, they should tune in. Um, I know that's coming yeah. up really soon. So, But either way, if they check Channel Z, they can see the shows that we've been putting up on. Yes, definitely check out Channel Z if you want some, uh, not just audio entertainment, but also video entertainment. We have some amazing shows with other guests and uh, other hosts besides us on various topics, including how to eat your way through the apocalypse, um, how to survive a zombie attack, um, many, many different um, sort of aspects of not just surviving, but also thriving in a zombie apocalypse. And and they actually are all free of subliminal messages as far as I know. 
<laughs> thankfully that um, subliminal messaging to get you to say that worked. So, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> thank you for listening to Zombified, your source for fresh brains. It's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there is something supernatural with you.